0: Please pray with me. Lord God, please help me in my weakness to preach your word faithfully and clearly as I ought. Please help us all to hear what we need to hear and to change where we need to change so that we might give you all the glory you deserve. Amen. What does success look like in work? Does success in work look like we're going to climb up the ladder? Does it mean we get a pay rise? Does it mean we actually get all our assignments done early, or we get HDs in all our assessments? Maybe being successful in your work you think might mean optimizing and catalyzing every moment of your day. or Are you really succeeding if you actually don't have to work anymore because your business has expanded and other people do the work for you so now you can just sit back and relax? It's an important question for us. Whether you're at home mothering children or working at a fast food restaurant, maybe you're studying at uni or possibly you're retired or maybe unable to work, Whatever your circumstances, what does success look like? As Christians, whose Lord and Saviour is Jesus, how can we succeed in life? We've just heard Caitlin read uh, Proverbs chapter 31. That woman sounds like an amazing picture of success. She's married, she has a loving husband. She has great responsibilities and she's very successful. In fact, it seems like she's quite wealthy. She's raising her children and she's very busy with her time. Is this what Proverbs is saying? Should we all be like her, an entrepreneur in our own way? Well, no, I don't think that's what it's saying, but I do believe that there's many good lessons to learn from the Proverbs 31 woman, and also from the rest of the wisdom in the Proverbs. Now, I know the thought of a sermon on work can cause mixed emotions. Work could be a sore spot. Maybe you're struggling to find work. Maybe you're experiencing difficult conditions in your job, or maybe you just can't decide what to do, or at this point in time, you can't work. It's a topic that can easily divide us, but it's important for everyone to think about. It's a topic that we need to be biblically informed about and not just float along like what the world tells us to do. When the Proverbs were penned, though, um, they lived in an agrarian society. So how can we apply that to us? They're people that, that cultivated the land and they did lots of hard work, but I study at a desk and work in front of a computer. Gladly, succeeding in our work in a biblical sense hasn't changed too much over the centuries. So, as we look at Proverbs to search out what success for a Christian is, I'm going to make three points. Firstly, We're going to look at how not to succeed, that is looking at the unwise example that's embodied in the sluggard or slacker of Proverbs. The second point is where we look at a good example um, and what actually succeeding in our work looks like. And thirdly, we'll be thinking through how we are going at being successful in our work and where we might need to apply this. I'll be referring to lots of different verses that are scattered throughout Proverbs, um, and it could be hard to keep track of, but uh, if you, uh, you want to look them up more, uh, they'll be found in the transcript or the outline, and they'll also come up on the screen too. So first off, we look at the bad example of work, and this example is seen in the sluggard or slacker. We're first introduced to him in chapter 6, verses 6 to 11. It says, Go to the ant, you slacker. Observe its ways and become wise. Without leader, administrator or ruler, it prepares its provisions in summer and it gathers its food during harvest. And then the proverb compares the ant with the slacker. How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and your poverty will come on you like a robber, your need like a bandit. The slacker, he's a habitually lazy person. Laziness isn't just seen in his dread of getting out of bed. It encompasses everything that he does. Chapter 20 verse 4 says the slacker does not plough during planting season. At harvest time he looks and there's nothing. That certainly is no way to succeed in work. Unfortunately, it's not just in ploughing and harvesting seasons that he's slacking off. In chapter 24 verse 30 it says, I went by the field of a slacker and by the vineyard of one lacking sense. Thistles had come up everywhere, weeds covered the ground, and the stone wall was ruined. I saw and I took heart. I looked and received instruction. And then it has the same refrain again a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, a little folding of the arms to rest, and your poverty will come like a robber, and your need like a bandit. The slacker, he hasn't even bothered to mend the stone wall around his vineyard or to pull out the weeds, and these are tasks that are often done during the off-season where there's uh, not heaps of labour to be done. But it seems like you walk past this vineyard and you wonder, does someone even live there or does someone own the land? But unfortunately, the plight of a slacker is quite bleak. Chapter 19, verse 15 says laziness induces deep sleep and a lazy person will go hungry. This is the result. There won't be any food because no work has been done. Now, we need to remember that times have changed a little bit for us. I myself have never planted or harvested crops. I don't plough and I don't have a vineyard with a stone wall around it. So it's the principle of work behind these proverbs that we need to learn from. Many of the proverbs here make comparisons between the way of wisdom and the way of the fool. And this is done by using parallelism. In the verses we've looked at so far, the slacker is being a fool and he's neglecting the wise ways of wisdom. This wisdom is not like the wisdom of the world. Although common sense tells us that if we don't make money, we won't be able to buy food, the wisdom of the Proverbs goes deeper than that. Chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom then surely this means that the way of wisdom is through love and obedience to God. Therefore, practising the ways of folly, like the slacker, it it goes against what God wants for us. The slacker ignores God and his wisdom and consequently does not succeed in his work. Chapter 13, verse 4 says, The slacker craves, yet has nothing but the diligent is fully satisfied. It really doesn't make sense to chase after the ways of this world and its wisdom that so often end in dissatisfaction and poverty. Chapter 15, verse 19 says, "'A slacker's way is like a thorny hedge, "'but the path of the upright is a highway.'" Practicing the ways of a slacker doesn't only affect the person themselves, though. Besides potentially not providing for their family, a slacker causes trouble for others too. Chapter 25, verse 19 says, Trusting an unreliable person in a difficult time is like a rotten tooth or a faltering foot. No one wants a toothache. And in chapter 10, verse 26, it says, like vinegar to the teeth or smoke to the eyes, so the slacker is to the one who sends him on an errand. He's just going to let you down by the sound of it. Well, this reminds me when I used to work in the telecommunications industry, we often had an outage window to do our work. And within that window, we would have to take down old equipment and install new equipment as part of the upgrade. Often when we were doing this, uh, the power supply needed to be upgraded. And on one occasion, we had installed our new equipment and we were about to power it up to see if it was all working. But to my disappointment, the person who was responsible for doing the power upgrade had only done half the job. So as the outage window drew near to the end and we needed to turn it on, I found out that it wasn't ready. So we had to complete someone else's work in order to ensure our work was going to power up. Now, isn't it just frustrating when someone just does half a job like that? But more than that, it's not just frustrating, it burdens other people too. And the slacker, he's just the same. He's lazy, he's unreliable, more concerned about sleep than providing for himself or his family, and he also has a habit of making up excuses for his laziness. Chapter 26, verse 13 says, the slacker says, there's a lion in the road or a lion in the public square. It's like he's saying, what if I go outside and what if I twist my ankle in the field or what if if a bear attacks me? But the proverb goes on, it says, a door turns on its hinges and a slacker on his bed. The slacker buries his hand in the bowl. He is too weary to bring it to his mouth. In his own eyes, a slacker is wiser than seven who can answer sensibly. This is not success. It is not success in the world's eyes and it's certainly not success in God's eyes. So what is the alternative? How can we succeed in our work? What is the wise way to go about our work? This brings us to the second point. A start to this is we should listen to instruction. If we're going to succeed in our work, we can't usually just do it on our own. We need instruction and wisdom, not just our own skills and knowledge. Proverbs chapter 6, it warns against adultery, but in verses 20 to 23, it gives wisdom that goes beyond sexual temptation. It says, My son... Keep your father's commands and don't reject your mother's teaching. Always bind them to your heart, tie them around your neck. When you walk here and there, they will guide you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you wake up, they will talk to you. For a command is a lamp, teaching is a light. a correct And corrective dis- discipline is a way to life. We are told here that commands and instructions are to be valued for their guidance in life. To put this a bit of a different way, to succeed in work is to be FAT. Now that is F-A-T. You might be familiar with this acronym that stands for faithful, available and teachable. Uh, To apply it to this passage though, we'll make a small change to it so that it's for work. To be fat in our work is to be faithful, accountable, and teachable. That is, faithful to God and our responsibilities, accountable to God and diligent in our actions, and teachable, willingly accepting correction and instruction. Faithful, accountable, and teachable. If we are to practice being fat people, it will help us to learn the way of success in our work. If we are to succeed, we will never be content with knowing and doing the minimum required of us. We might be tempted to learn the minimum. And just to get by with that, it might just save us some energy. But Chapter eighteen, verse fifteen says, "The mind of the discerning acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks it." You shouldn't just scrape by in life, but you should seek to be well informed for all the tasks you do. To succeed in work, you don't only need to know the no- um, need to have the knowledge, but you also need to plan as well. That seems to be one of the problems that the slacker is having. He doesn't plan, and therefore nothing gets done. In chapter 21 verse 5, "The plans of the diligent certainly lead to profit, but anyone who is reckless certainly becomes poor." The way of the wise worker reflects this. Proverbs chapter 12:14 says, a person will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth and the work of a person's hands will reward him. If we put the necessary work in, we will receive the reward. It's, we don't work aimlessly and just carry on with things without a plan or a goal in mind. We seek an outcome and we work towards it. In chapter 16, verse 26, it says, A worker's appetite works for him because his hunger urges him on. At the most basic level, our stomach spurs us on to work. If you hear your stomach rumbling, it's a reminder that you need to feed yourself, and if you feed yourself, you need to work. But it's actually also not okay to earn money By any means, chapter 15, verse 27, it says, the one who profits dishonestly troubles his household, but the one who hates bribes will live. We must be honest in our work and dealings. And chapter 16, verse 11, enforces that. It says, honest balances and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his concern. The way of success is in the fear of the Lord. If we fear the Lord, we will not extort people for our own gain. In fact, chapter 15, verse 16 says, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with turmoil. We are far better off living in humble circumstances than to have great wealth and troubles. It's better to meet only the essential needs in life than to be making a living through dishonest methods and wronging our neighbour. And if fear of the Lord guides our actions, we will complete our work before seeking our own interests. Proverbs chapter twenty four twenty seven says complete your outdoor work and prepare your field afterward build your house. In other words, don't pursue your own hobbies or your house improvements at the cost of getting your work done and fulfilling your responsibilities. Now, these verses have been quite scattered throughout Proverbs, and it can be hard to get a sense of what all of this wisdom looks like in practice. So, earlier we heard from uh, Proverbs chapter 31 in the Bible reading, and it describes a wife of noble character. These verses give us a good example that goes beyond work and money, uh, sorry, it goes beyond just work for money. Um, so the woman succeeds in many areas of life. So turn to chapter 31 in your Bibles if you have it open and look with me at the amazing attitude that this woman has to work. In verse 11, it says she's trustworthy. Her husband trusts in her. She's industrious and works with her hands. In verse 13, it says she selects wool and flax In verse 14 and 24, she buys and sells. She's not the person that rolls over in bed and hits the snooze button. Verse 15 says she rises while it's still dark. And verse 27, she is never idle. Verse 19, she works with willing hands and isn't afraid of hard work. Her family is well provided for in verses 21 and 22. And she extends her hand and cares for the poor in verse 20. The words that come out of her mouth, they don't tear down, but in verse 26, she speaks wisdom and loving instruction. And near the end in verse 30, it concludes with these words. Charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. This description right here, this is success in work. But what about for us? How do we compare to the Proverbs 31 woman? Well, if we're honest, uh, she sets the bar very high and that makes it kind of difficult if you're just thinking those terms. So how might we understand this? How do we apply it to us? In reality, not many of us find ourselves in positions where we're engaging in many different areas of business. This lady, she's raising children, she's feeding the family, she's making linen and clothes, she buys land, she constructs a vineyard, she's physically strong and able. This list, it's not just exhaustive, but I find it exhausting to look at. But this is why the description is so helpful. It gives us a big picture of being successful in lots of different areas. For you, that success could be in the work of keeping the home and raising children. Succeeding in your work does not mean you have to earn the big bucks or have lots of investment properties like the world tells us. The point is, whatever circumstances you find yourself in at this time, whatever gifts and opportunities God has placed before you, it is what you do with them that determines your success in work. So let's apply this to ourselves in point three. If success in your work is doing your best where God has placed you, where might you need to change? It's clear from Proverbs that we should be faithful with our time, our resources and skills. But it's actually work has been ordained for us from the very beginning. It's not just from Proverbs that we find this out. In Genesis, God sets us an example himself in his work of creation. And also he commands Adam to work the land and watch over it in Genesis chapter 2. We are made to be fruitful and not idle in our work. Now, as everyone has their own circumstances, there will be different ways of applying this for each of us. Some of us work, some study, some are unable to work, or some our work is unpaid. And maybe it's at home with children or grandchildren. For most of us, our work is actually a bit of a combination of these things. Whatever your circumstances, are you practising the wisdom of proverbs in your work? Are you succeeding at your work? With so many distractions in the world and things at our fingertips, are you making excuses for your laziness like the slacker? Do you procrastinate at your work or with your study? Do you neglect to plan and never get things done, or at least not getting them done early enough anyway? Is your time consumed with being busy with lots of things, but the things are not God honouring uses of your time? Maybe you've got an amazing work ethic, nine to five, Monday to Friday, but when you get home, you just switch off and neglect your responsibilities. You leave the dishes for someone else to do. You might spend hours on your phone, scrolling social media or playing games. But you could actually be engaging with your housemates or your spouse. Are your weekends all booked out because you're busy doing sport and activities but you haven't set aside time to rest, time to read God's word and time to meet with other believers? In your study at uni, do you research for your assignments and study for your exams just to get a pass grade? Do you only focus on the areas that you think will be on the paper and neglect to completely study the whole content? Have you read the book that you're writing a review on, or are you just seeking to do the minimum and just wing it? Now, these, they're probing questions, and I know myself that I fail to live the wise way of wisdom. I'm currently a student. For me, when there's physical labour to be done, I don't have to think twice. I put my hand to it and I get it done, but... I find it much harder to be motivated for academic studies. Although it might be difficult, though, that doesn't make it right to procrastinate. I'm convicted that just because I struggle to start writing an essay, it is no excuse for laziness. Even when the start of the semester is busy, I still need to plan so that things get done and not last minute. Being married, I also see how my lack of planning or tendency to procrastinate doesn't only affect me. Like the slacker being lazy or doing a half hearted job affects those around us too. So hear these words in Colossians chapter three, verse twenty three. Paul writes Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. Whether you're a Christian or not, if you've been convicted by what we have looked at tonight, if you recognise that you have not been faithful in your work, please don't lose hope. Even better than the example of the wife of noble character is the example in our Lord Jesus Christ. From the earliest of age, Jesus was succeeding in his work. Whether he was debating the law in the temple as a teenager or learning the tricks of the trade as a carpenter, he diligently and faithfully did his work. And when it came to his biggest task the mission he was sent down to earth to complete. He did not procrastinate. He didn't cut corners by quietly proclaiming the gospel or shying back from controversy with the religious leaders. He came down. He revealed God to us. He died on the cross to cover our sins. In John chapter 17, Jesus says these words, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you since you gave him authority over all people so that they may know you, the only true God and the one who you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. Jesus' work was not easy, but he did not shrink back from completing it, even to the point of being crucified on a cross to pay for sins that weren't even his own. So as we recognise our shortfallings, whether that be in your work or other areas of life, come to the cross and embrace Jesus as the Lord of your life. Embrace him as the director of your destiny and the saviour of your soul who has redeemed you from the death your sins deserve. In these moments of conviction, confession and repentance, may you be filled with joy as you thank our Heavenly Father for the faithful work of the Son which brings us every good and perfect gift. I'll finish with the words of Colossians chapter 3 verse 17. It says, "Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him." So as the musicians come up, let's pray. Heavenly Father, <laughs> May your spirit work in us to convict us where we need to change and empower us to live for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please help us to fix our eyes on him in all of our work. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.